So welcome to the Culture Crush. Uh, this week we are sitting at Giorgio's in Hollywood, and I'm here with Brian Rabin. Say hello. Hey, we're <laughs> so excited to have the Culture Crush at Giorgio's tonight. And we are um, watching people set up projectors, and um, I don't know what else is going on, but uh, all kinds of magic night. is happening. Tonight's the night. Um, yeah, so this uh, we're celebrating issue seven, which is uh, the biggest and best one ever, which I, I know I say that about every issue, but this one, I really mean it. Nightlife really is something that is, it, it, it's something that feeds the culture and is so reflective of the culture um, that um, we really want to focus on that. So uh, I was lucky enough to meet to meet Brian, and uh, so why don't you tell well, us it was about your... F- it was funny. <laughs> we actually, I was having a, a brunch today with three dear friends. Uh, Michael Schmidt, who's an original New Yorker, who, you know, works... He originally worked in chain mail and, you know, created all those amazing things for share. And then he works out of outrageous materials that aren't really used. Like, he made a dress for Tina Turner out of guitar picks, but just most recently did the first 3D printed dress. And uh, Ariane Phillips, who's been now nominated twice for an Academy Award for her uh, costume work and a stylist, we were talking about, and also Rick Ferrari, who uh, was a model agent for like about 25 years. He was a teenage scout for Click in the 80s. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and him and Donovan Leach are getting the Go Go's uh, to Broadway, this amazing broadway play which you know you should definitely do something about i haven't heard that name in a long time yeah 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 (laughs) but we were talking about nightlife and how we were the last generation that you know we're like well what are we are we are we gen xers what are we exactly like and and then we said well it's so interesting because we were we were post punk post hippie free love we were the first generation that grew up with safe sex and we were the first generation that grew up with computers from the time we were in like grade school, but we were pre-op internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, you got it down to the specifics. Um, but th- those yeah. are all very important um, well, things that you just mentioned. Yeah, because it, it gets to what you know nightlife, and we talked about how we all found each other in the night, and how every night was hopeful. Like you know, not having money. And it wasn't about wearing designer clothes. It was quite the opposite. You know, we were all reminiscing. Nobody wanted to look like some, you know, uptown lady. You know what I mean? Like, and now a lot of the kids want to wear designer clothes, not because of the style, but just purely because of the label and because of what they think it means instead of being individuals. And and that really was what, you know, we were all brought up on is when you, you know, either you were born in a big city or you went to a big city whether it was New York or LA or London or Paris or and you found your tribe in the night and these amazing relationships were forged you know great collaborative fashion design or filmmakers or I mean I can't tell you over the 25 years of of the relationships that people met in parties or clubs that I threw that now have created you know basically empires and it's so fascinating and it was always based about 
you know, music and about ex- being creative. Bottom line, it was just about being creative, whether it was through your drag that you put on, and I don't mean by impersonating a woman or a man, mm-hmm. but what your armor was, how you were perceived on the street, because we didn't have phones to hide behind. We had our right. mouths and we had our clothes, and that's how you were gauged. You know, you could tell somebody pre-MTV, mm-hmm. or you, you could see, you know, and I... This is an L.A. joke, and I'm sure it's a New York bridge and tunnel joke, but like, you know, some chick in a white pump you knew right away was from like the outer boroughs or from the valley. But now, for better or for worse, pretty much people look good, but everyone's sort of homogenized. The the time of the individual is gone. So, you know, that's what nightlife, I think, is so important for, and I think that what we're doing here at Giorgio's... um, you know, I had taken a 13-year break, and to come back and do it, I had missed all the bottle service, and I had missed all of the commerce that nightclubs became. I still look at them as a canvas for a creative space, mm-hmm. and um, it's really important. You know, we've banned cell phones, right? So there's no images here, so people aren't um, curating their lives; they're actually living their lives, right? Right. And also, people can be free to express themselves through dance and through clothing. And right. let's yeah, let's know. go back to your comment about the <clears throat> about the drag, um, because I, I think that that's uh, you know it's a big uh, it, it has it has to do with with fashion and culture and um, and 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 like you said, like everything being the same. Whereas uh, you know that's a big thing that we talk about at the Culture Crush too is that you know whatever happened to the uniform mm. of the counter? There always used to be a uniform Correct. of the counter. Like in our day, it was like black. It, yeah, and in the in the nineteen fifties, <laughs> you had long hair and wore a leather jacket, and right, that the, meant the you were a thug. Like yeah. you were a thug. Like there, you could get arrested. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What was then, dangerous? And then the hippies and the zippies and the yippies. You could also there was know. because the, and like you, even what you said about the white pump. I mean, what it's social signaling it's signaling it's like you're signaling to the rest of the world um something about yourself um and now that's gone well, now you that everybody g- can click to buy the same exact thing what are you signaling well you get tricked you can be tricked and that's the other part of it right? like <laughs> you you can be tricked because somebody actually looks the part because the time that we're living in i think technology is the most amazing incredible thing and i think that it connects you to people that you would never be able to meet and ideas and things and all of that but the flip side of that is that you can put something on that is inauthentic to your authentic self and pass yourself off as an imposter of the thing that you're wearing and so it's a little bit trickier to really when you sit down at a dinner table or at a dinner you can pretty much tell right away if that person isn't really what they are because they can't have a conversation with you right. for starters <laughs> right, right, right. but it's an interesting time that people are instead of doing the work or doing the research it's just simple to throw it on and you don't have to go looking for it if we're just gonna if we're gonna talk about clothing you don't have to go looking for it like one store like Charavari or, you know, Maxfields in L.A. would be the only place that would have it in America. Or you would go to London and you would like, you know, I didn't have that much money when I go now. I would run to like hyper hyper. You know what I mean? Like because or Kensington, you know, Kensington because you wanted to get those things that you could only get there. Right. And that sort oh, of that's is completely gone. Now there's Farfetch and they bring yeah. it to you even if you're like yeah. on the beach in the Hamptons. Totally. They, like, it, even if you're on a, a yacht sailing through the Mediterranean, they will like 
pull up to your yacht. Uh-huh, drop it from a pigeon. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's so, I mean, I guess it's good. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's, there isn't that thing, that yearning and the need and also the discovery. It's about, I think the creative process is about self-discovery. And it's about the discovery of others. And the, in an innocent way, where there's not watchful eyes, I think that magic happens to people when they're not self-aware. And when you're young, you already are self-conscious, but there's that really incredible time between about 18 and 25 where you're going to you know, light the world on fire. Right. And you don't care. Right. And that right. is an incredible moment to have. And I hope that the generation of today, I... I I'm seeing really cool kids that aren't uh, filming themselves, that are actually living their lives. Right. And it's exciting. Like, it's really cool. And you can recognize it in the images that they are posting. You can see that they're going for it with wild abandon. It's not a staged setup. Right, which is, which is amazing. Oh, and by the way, if you're hearing noise in the background, it's, you know, we are setting up for the parties. So. Yeah, we're about to have big <laughs> party <laughs> over here. in the background. Um, but uh, no, and it, 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 a lot of the things you're talking about are really like the, you know, when we do these issues, so we're celebrating issue seven, November issue. And Deborah, tell out. me a little bit about your, your inspiration for issue number seven. So issue, yeah, so issue number seven, you know, I really, uh, when, we, when we started doing this, you know, I, I, I did a lot of the, I took a lot of the pictures and I've been, um, and obviously uh, a lot of the ideas are coming from my own experiences at you know, Italian Vogue and at French Vogue and living in different cities all over the world and growing up in New York. And that's, you know, there are the layers of my culture. And um, so what I've done is slowly sort of open it up to, you know, as I find like-minded, you know, other artists and collaborators and creative people like, like you, I, um, you know, been slowly giving up more and more of the space to them. And so this one, this issue is really the first one that it's where I've really, really found um, a group of contributors that, uh, you know, really, it, it, it's incredible that the, the, the stories are from all over the world, as you know, there's from, you know, the townships outside of Johannesburg and from um, refugee camps in Lebanon and sitting here in Giorgio's and then, you know, stuff from the Jersey Shore. And it's incredible that it's like almost like everybody who's been attracted to want to be part of this all seem to have something and they all have something in common and want to say something. So the underlining idea behind, behind this issue, besides culture and youth culture and all the things that we always love to do. See, I don't think it's about youth culture. Yeah, I think yeah, actually, to, to, <laughs> I know, but to me, what's so interesting is that things used to come from the street and then work their way up to the high street. Right. And now it's the other way around. So I actually think that young people of today are the ones that are plugged in that are non-binary and have they are so much more evolved than any adult and I think that they're so much more fluid in their thought process and so inspirational that I think that that the chronological year doesn't doesn't matter anymore it's right, it's right. kind of and that's what I got from really looking at um, I don't know if you would if you refer to it as um, a journal or a magazine or a newspaper because it's all of those things to me. 
The culture crush. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I, I keep, it's, you know, some people call it the paper. Some people call it a zine. It's, it's, it's not it's a, a zine. It's, a, it's the most sophisticated zine uh, Yeah, it's made. not Yeah, it's not a fanzine because it crosses so many boundaries and so many different ideas. Fanzines, which I loved, and they don't really exist so much except for online anymore, but fanzines were really about a fetish or something camp or something very specific right. where this... Isn't and, done, it? and done in a very tongue-in-cheek yeah. kind of way, if and, it's a zine. And it was taking, it was making fun of something that kind of happened in the 70s because they were really done in the 90s, a lot of those fanzines. But your magazine is so enormous, both in size and physical size and in physical ideas that, you know, I haven't even been able to devour the whole thing because to look at it topically, you have to go back and look at it again and again and again because there's so much in it. There's so much in and, it. And, you know, so and I'm a real mag. I used to, you know, buy every month like 15 to 25 magazines, ID, The Face, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I would go through all my American magazines, but first my English magazines. And then I would, you know, go through them on a first look. And then I would see, well, have the Americans caught up yet to what's going on in London? <laughs> know. You know, and then Pair which, Louis. Which I never realized until I went to live and work in Europe and was in the, in the, in the fashion industry there. And then, you know, two years later, Calvin Klein would do it. And I'd be like, wait a second. We already know, did this. We yeah. did this two years ago. <laughs> but see, and I had that same feeling when I was reading. I used to be very, like, when I was a kid and, uh, you know, you'd have roommates and stuff. Like, if anybody touched my magazine before I touched it, it was, like, sacred course, to me. exactly. You know, of and course. so, like, I've been, like, you know... Like, their eyes were... If their eyes looked at it, it was yeah, going to be ruined. Re- yeah. Apps and their fingers on it. I was furious. But that's how I feel about, you know, the, the culture crush. And, and to look at it and the imagery, to see an image full bleed and to actually read a story again that is not being driven by somebody's project that's being driven by like a movie studio or by a huge fashion house it it made me feel like when I was a little kid and I found out about Debbie Harry and the Midnight Special and then I went to my little library and I found Interview Magazine and I didn't even know who those people were who were like Fran Lebowitz I had no idea (laughs) who they were even interviewing and the other person but I was like well the one person's interviewing another person and I just you know that's how I felt and I was like oh my god what's the next page gonna be like you know in and that's how I feel and that's how I feel about the culture I mean it's so to me it's like the most exciting thing because you've taken the elements of something that has almost gone out of I for lack of a better word out of print literally news mag news magazines and publications are becoming a thing of the past but what you did was you were able to find and curate through using digital technology all these amazing people and these stories and then put them into an application that is something that everyone can relate to so it's an easier way to digest information that if it was given to you in another way maybe get over your head or maybe too heady or you may not want to sit down and it's also very bold in its art direction so you still get i think for people who have been raised on social media you're still getting these big sound bites you know these big delicious sound bites right. too right. so i think it it really addresses people on a lot of different levels from a lot of generational standpoints right right 
And you know, and and to relate relate back to what you were talking about, um, like grabbing stuff out of the real world. That's really the sort of the subversive um, idea that uh, this issue is really about. And you know, it's it it starts off with these incredible images that we were lucky enough to be able to publish from the Edward Weston archive. And so we're we're kind of inspired by his sort of theory about. Um, you know, whether as a creative person, let's say he was a photographer, he was an artist, but any creative person is to rather than try to construct something, you know, like I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, I'm going to construct something. I already have an idea of what I want to construct. His idea, which I think is the most beautiful idea, is to just you it's grabbing stuff out of the world Mm -hmm. you know and so you can see that whether it's in the documentary photography or just Mm -hmm. even the way that we choose what stories we're going to do you know it's not it's not calculated yeah but what's interesting we're just living it and we're grabbing it out of the world and that's what an artist does totally and you throw it in your bag and it goes to what your filter is and then it comes an artist takes all that information one artist may have the same information and as another one but what the end will be will be completely different but what i liked that you did was and when true art really can happen is when there's a frame because without a frame there can't be art and you give them the frame to create within that work and it's just it's so to me it just made me so excited like when you were talking to me about it but then when i physically got it in my hands i mean as a little boy I used to take the train downtown Chicago and go to parachute and wax tracks. And the only place that you could get ID or the face would be um, at wax tracks. And the only place that you could get this huge oversized magazine called The Manipulator was at Parachute. And we were in the Midwest and, you know, weeks and weeks. New York and LA were already behind because of the shipping, but because of the Midwest, we were so far behind. But like, that was my everything like that was my lifeline to the world so when I saw that it affected me still in the same emotional way and then I kept thinking about other people that are my age or people that were older than me that can actually have something tactile but then I thought oh my god for like a young person to be able to actually touch something that was created because they all use these words authentic Mm -hmm. handcrafted (laughs) artisanal (laughs) well you know what a big mac is artisanal a person actually slapped that sauce on that thing and fried up that burger slow movement you know so but they're actually getting all of those things that they're desperate for Mm -hmm. they're actually getting small hand crafted you know batched served up just for them culture and it's thought and it's thoughtful and I and I and I like I, I keep saying it it operates on two levels so there's the subversive level where we're yeah we're I'm um, going on about Edward Weston everyone's falling asleep um, but then like as you pointed <laughs> out uh, you know it's like we we do there is that level that you can just go through it and you get the the big quotes you know that are sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. telling the story in another and they're way. very pop that's too. um and that's um it's another it's a publishing pet peeve of mine about uh, the digital space that because uh, they they misunderstand what the word pull quote means yeah. it doesn't mean you pull it out of the text it was meant to pull you in, in. it's to like then a ha- want to read the entire story Correct. Um, and so when I see and in, di- in digital format that, that you just 
because in digital, especially to get to the point where you're in the text, you've already clicked a hundred times to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you read, and then to see a big pull quote graphically, I, I, it's it just disturbing remi- it, too. It just reminds me that the sort of the new, um, you know, born these born digital media, the born digital media that they they, they really need a crash course back in like 20th century journalism and and, ju- journalism. and journalism, yeah. but especially <laughs> it's 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 so jarring to yeah. see that and it it actually instead of pulling you in it pulls me right, right. out <laughs> because i'm like out, right. ooh, that font and that's like glaring and at I me i just read that already now yeah. you're making me read it again it makes absolutely no sense um, i totally agree so with you be, so it's like you know i do want it's a it's a great way to to be, that's what it's supposed to do pull you in because you like you said you, you can't sit down and just read the culture crush in one sitting and i i love that about it as well that it sort of has developed in that way that you can go back and look at it again um the best magazines always were like that i mean i was talking to somebody this week and we were talking about the mag the, the only magazine that i still collect is the world of interiors mm, the world love. of interiors you yeah, can yeah. just like cover your eyes and pull any issue out and even if i've seen it a million times it's like going on a trip it's startling oh my it takes god, your that, breath away oh, i remember that house yeah, yeah. oh my god i remember when we were in india and we were in the tea oh my god i can't i mean totally they're e- each one and um is still like that and they're forever so that's another thing like i really want to keep um as as part of sort of what we're doing is that i want these things to be timeless well what's exciting you know, f- you know about tonight for me here at giorgio's is that you know i've worked for you know most of the luxury brands in the world and many most of the pop stars of the last two decades but once you do the event it's over you know whether you build something that takes a week to build out it's just for the people that are in that room but tonight there's going to be hundreds of stories that are going to get documented from deborah's point of view and hopefully you know end up in a future issue of the culture class and that's what is so exciting because Art is going to be made live and then captured, and that right just on. kicks my ass. It I just can't wait. <laughs> it just makes me so excited because, you know, I used to be that kid also that would read about far off lands. You know, that were so exotic to me. Like to read, you know, I was too young for new romanticism, but you better believe I knew everything that was going on in all those clubs. It would be late, but I was obsessed and. I think that that's what gets the mind open because the first real part of culture when you're young, you're too young to go into a club, but you can read about a nightclub. And that's where you're like, well, she's an aristocrat. And that person's like, you know, street trade. And that person's a pop star. They're not supposed to all be in that same room together. Even when you're a kid, you know, because you see fancy parties with fancy people. The first time I ever saw like, rock and roll people with art people with socialites with like you know the killer swans of new york and the truman capote people were all in a nightclub you know when i was little and i saw in people magazine studio 54 i went wait a second i've never seen and like and like european royalty hanging out with gays and black people and people from like the other side of the tracks like it never like you know it just like blew my mind off so like that to me is like you know that creates living breathing art is when you put people into a room especially in a city like hollywood where there is no street life here per se and you get to put people into a room and when a club really only fits a hundred people then people actually get to touch 
a lot of those people and speak to a lot of those people or just creatively dance with those people. And yeah. sometimes a dance is just enough. Like, I'll tell you a funny story. A dear friend of mine, uh, Siobhan, was in a, uh, a girl group called Bananarama, which is, they're in the Guinness Book of World Records, the largest selling girl group, and then went on to be in Shakespeare's sister. And um, she's a big fan of David LaChapelle's, but I didn't know David's an old friend of mine. I didn't know that he was a huge fan of hers. And like, they worshipped those girls, you know, like obviously Madonna did right. and Courtney Love. And, I did, yeah. You know, and um, so they danced together maybe on three or four separate occasions but never spoke and we were at a friend's birthday at a small little restaurant in Silver Lake and um, I had been texting with David and David said do you believe in the miracles of the universe <laughs> and I thought I can't start because you know I'm at somebody's birthday it's rude I'm not gonna get into a whole conversation so I threw it back in my bag and I look up and he's standing above me and Siobhan was there and they said um, you know we've never spoken and David said yes we have and she said where and she goes well we didn't use words <laughs> we actually got to know each other really well on the dance floor right. and I thought that is so burning red right. H-A-U-T-E right. you know the, the dialogue of dance I mean that's Not exciting that you know exciting. So I, I hope lots of stuff happens like that tonight. Well, it will. You, you pour, your place. You pour alcohol place. and you turn down the <laughs> lights. And now we have an influx of people who don't necessarily come here. So now, you know, we're doing like a, a collision of cultures. We're having a cultural exchange cultural tonight. Cultural exchange. Here we and go. A culture, and a crush. culture I, I crush. Definitely, I definitely have a crush on you, if you can't tell. <laughs> right back at you. All right. So all right, so we're ready for the party. we got to go set up. and uh, We're going to have a blast, uh, and we're going to follow up later. Thanks, Deborah. Okay.